0: the bridge podcast network is made possible by generous support from the boardwalk plaza hotel and victoria's restaurant on the boardwalk in rehoboth beach delaware open seven days a week year-round learn more at boardwalkplaza.com some of my favorite conversations have happened over the rims of mugs i'm denise harper co-host of the morning show with bill and denise and program director for the bridge There's something special about sitting across the table from a friend, whether we've known them forever or for just a minute with a good cup of coffee and an open heart. And hopefully today's conversation will inspire and encourage you. It's wonderful to have Carrie Robinson with me today. I am really looking forward to getting to you, know, you. This is our first time to meet. Yes. And welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so <laughs> glad to be here.
1: You are from the Dover area. Uh, for the last 28 years. Originally, I was born and raised in Gulfport, Mississippi. Mississippi? Yes. How in the world did you end up on Delmarva? The Air Force.
0: Oh, that explains a lot. Yes. We love our uh, Dover Air Force Base. Yes. All the personnel here. So
1: you fell in love with the area and decided to stay? Fell in love with the area. We got here in 1992, just a few months after Michael and I married that June. We were here by Thanksgiving. Mm. And um, we really liked the area. And when I graduated nursing school, we tried to leave a couple times. We wanted to go to North Carolina and... For me to work there, but um, God had other plans for us. It just those doors didn't open, so we stayed here, raised our family, and we've been here 28 years now. Wow! And what do you do? I am a registered nurse at Bay Health, and I work with moms and babies, which Aww. I absolutely adore. It's a wonderful place to be. (laughs) It is. It's a wonderful, wonderful world. We call our floor, the sixth floor, the penthouse suite. Yes, We're (laughs) at the top.
0: Well, and I bet just getting to know you a little bit on social media and then having conversation with you on the phone and meeting you today, I'm thinking you bring a lot of joy to the floor where you work. (laughs)
1: I hope so. (laughs) I've been told that I have. So I love uh, the people that I work with. They're really sweet. And they have really been such a family to me since um, Coleman's passing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So tell me about uh, your your kiddos. So when Michael and I married in 1992, I was divorced. I had been married uh, once before and I had a son, Christopher, who was turning four right before Chris's birthday is in March. And Michael and I married. In June, So he had just turned four. So we became instant family, he became instant husband and daddy. And um, so then to that union, we added Coleman six years later, they are six years apart, well, two years later into our marriage, but they are six years apart. So Coleman arrived on the scene, and we were a family of four. And, um, well, you know, we just raised them military style for a few years. Yeah, then Michael got out of the military and you know, we moved out into the community. We lived on base for a while, then we moved out into the community and, you know, just became mm-hmm. a part of our community.
0: Tell me about Christopher.
1: Christopher. Christopher just turned 32 this year. Wow. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so I tell him he's an old man. Me and his dad are getting younger, but he's older. Way to go. Yes. And Christopher <laughs> has a son who will turn 12 this year, who is the love and light of our life. Aww. Uh, but he's going through those in yeah. preteen years. So yeah. I Joy. was look, yes. And I was looking at some pictures of him this morning when he was younger and how he was just he was my mom's love. And oh, now he like comes to the house and he just goes right upstairs. And I'm like, hello, I'm here. <laughs> He'll grow out of it. You know, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, and um, Christopher has a a girlfriend, um, and she has a son. And so that's that's our family. All right. And tell me about Coleman. Coleman was, he was just a joy from day one. He was such a love, and he was such a snuggler. Mm. He loved to snuggle, and he loved to just be with me all the time. And I just remember just the sweetness and the gentleness. He was very strong, but you wouldn't know it because he was just so gentle and the kids just loved him. Yeah. He was like a jungle gym for his nephew. <laughs> <laughs> and CJ would just, be all over him climb on top of his shoulders his head Coleman would pick him up I mean he just those two just bonded they were like you know totally in love with each other Mm -hmm. Coleman was a big baby when he was born he was eight eight pounds eight ounces Uh, It took me two hours to deliver him (laughs) (laughs) and lots of threats of a (laughs) C-section. But um, he came into this world and just brought us Mm. so much joy. And, you know, like all parents, you have your headache moments and frustration moments. But when I look back on his life... I just have so many fond memories. And even though I cry, I smile because I just remember all of the joy that he really brought into our life. Mm -hmm. Changed your life forever. Yes, he did. (laughs) In life and death. Yeah, he's, (laughs) uh, yeah, he's, he Served as a greeter at your church, is that right? At United, yeah. So he was a partner with United for about the past last three years, okay. And um, he just I really heard he made grew. quite an oh, impact. Oh my goodness, we are still hearing <laughs> stories of the bridge builder. Yes, that Coleman was. Yeah, yeah. And he's still building bridges. So
0: uh, what happened
1: when Coleman was fifteen? He was diagnosed with epilepsy. He had a seizure. Um, we were out on Dover Air Force Base having our annual. A church picnic and mm. he had his first grandma seizure. Mm. We didn't know what was that was so scary. We didn't know what it was. I thought maybe, I don't know, someone poisoned his, his soda or oh he my. got stung by a bee or we just didn't know what it was because mm. it came out of the blue. No warning, nothing. Mm. So from that point, 2009, we began a 10 year process of battling seizures Mm. and um, he had brain surgery when he was 18. He decided that he wanted to have brain surgery because they had localized his seizures to the right side of his brain and people that would see he had a little scar on the right side and um, he called that his battle scar <laughs> they thought oh. it was a fancy haircut but <laughs> some kind of design or he something was being trendy yes but it was his battle scar mm. and um, so he would have episodes before surgery where he would do really well we he was on many different medications but he never wanted to be treated differently mm you know, so he didn't really tell a lot of people. So even now his friends were like, we didn't know it was like that. But he never really talked about it. He Mm. just lived his life. He didn't let that stop him from doing the things that he wanted to do.
0: There's a good lesson in that, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. And so uh, what happened? And so he moved out, he decided that, you know, he was 25, and he wanted to move out and be his own adult and live on his own. And of course, his dad and I, you know, we had our reservations and hesitations, but we're like, okay, he's going to do this. So we might as well, you know, support and go ahead and just be there and always be a backup for him. But, you know, he's a man and he wants to do these things. And it was things that we never thought that he would be able to do because, you know, before the doctors told us he probably wouldn't be able to drive. He did. He probably wouldn't be able to go to college. He graduated he wow. probably wouldn't be able to live on his own he did <laughs> that's so amazing. all of these things that they told us that he wouldn't be able to do because of epilepsy mm-hmm. he did them and mm-hmm. more and so he moved out in July and he was doing really well he was working and then I got a call one morning that Coleman didn't show up to work and I just had that like gut Feeling something Mm -hmm. is wrong, something is not right. I didn't really panic right away because he had a history. You know, so I was thinking kind of in my mind, maybe he had a seizure and they picked him up and rushed him to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and he, you know, nobody had heard anything there in the emergency room. So that's kind of when I was like, okay, it's taking a long time for the ambulance to get here. He lived right down the street with a couple other guys from United. So when we got to the house where he was renting a room from, we walked up and. People were walking out of the house and they just had that look and Mm. they didn't even have to say anything. I just broke and Michael broke and um, just screamed out, you know, no, no, not my baby, you know, and I don't really remember anything else after that. It was just kind of a whirlwind.
0: In the days after that, I'm sure it was kind of probably a blur. There's just a whole level of unbelief, I'm sure of what's really happening. What helped you to take some baby steps
1: to start to feel like you could breathe again? Yeah, wow, it was just baby steps. Mm -hmm. It was really, now looking back, I realized that it was really the word of God that I had hidden in my heart. Mm -hmm. All these years of just being in the word and listening to praise music and surrounding myself with the peace of God, because there were days when I couldn't do anything but just sit and look out the window. Mm -hmm. You know, I really didn't pray in those beginning weeks and probably for a couple of months. I just I couldn't find the words. But I know that God knows because he knows our thoughts before we think them. And so it was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you know how I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. I don't even have the words to to say. But it was just really taking one step at a time. I don't know people just surrounding us with love and praying for us. I know the saints were praying for us because I wasn't really praying at that point. So somebody had to be praying for us to keep, you know, to keep us help keep us on a good path and just keep us sane and getting up and moving every day. And then at the same time, Michael's father was here. They came; his family came up for the celebration of life. And a lot of people didn't know, but he fell down a flight of stairs in a rental house they were living in, and he ruptured his spleen and he had to have emergency surgery. So the day of Coleman's homegoing celebration, while we're celebrating, he's in the hospital in the OR having surgery. Oh my! And he's from South Carolina, so he had to be here for like a month before we could get him back home. So all of that in. addition to dealing with grief. sure, It was very, um, it was a high time of anxiety. And mm-hmm. I was having a lot of panic attacks and depression and just going through all the different grief emotions that you yeah. go through mm-hmm. um, and trying to cope with that every day.
0: How did you begin to feel like there could be a possibly a purpose for this pain that you were going through?
1: I think it was a combination of things. I listen to the bridge every day. Mm-hmm. So I have a chair right by my window and I have my radio is like right there so I sit in my chair and I have the bridge on and I would just listen to the bridge all day long when I couldn't do anything else. Because music is very soothing for me. And I grew up on music and I grew up in the South. And, you know, we just listened to music all the time, gospel music and sang in the church choir and, you know, all of that. So music has always been a part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I would just turn on the radio and just sit there and just listen to the music. And I don't know how in tuned I was, but I was just there. And I think the turning point came for me Early on when I was in grief share, we started grief counseling or grief support group, Mm -hmm. just going through that and hearing the stories of other people and working through the work of grief really helped me and i struggled and i shared that on social media i struggle with romans eight twenty eight because i asked the lord how what yes. good is going to come out of this like how am i supposed to wrap my head around that i miss him mm. and i see it on paper and i understand it with my head but in my heart my heart is hurting mm. and i don't really see how you're going to bring some good i know you're going to do it but i just can't see it right now mm. So I need you to show me like, will you show me what good is going to come out of this? Because I think that was kind of like tripping me up and keeping Mm -hmm. me kind of stuck because I felt like I don't even know where to go from here. I would wake up in the morning and say, what am I supposed to do today? Mm. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? How do I go on? Not that my identity was in or is in being a mom, but it was. It was just like my whole world was wrong because Coleman wasn't here. Mm.
0: Let's go back for a moment. You said uh, the work, doing the work of grieving. Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: The work of grieving is hard. It's like the work that you do for anything. It's like working to have a good marriage. But for me, working through my grief has helped to bring about a healing that I don't think I would have experienced otherwise. And when I say that, I mean, in Grief Share, we have a workbook. And the workbook is filled with scripture. This is a Christian organization. So it's filled with scripture. And every day you do some work. So it asks you questions like, um, what do you believe about death? And it will give you a scripture and, and, you know, when you read this scripture, what thoughts come to your mind. So you have to process where you are, your emotions and, you know, dealing with family and Mm -hmm. friends and people that are here. And then the people that aren't here, because there is a time when people leave you and you're alone and you have to deal with your aloneness Mm -hmm. and being by yourself. Michael went back to work and I was off for about almost 10 weeks and so there were times when I was home by myself and I think working through using my days working through my grief doing the homework writing in my workbook it helped me to get to the place where I am now I'm still I still feel have the emotional ups and downs sure. sometimes and I still feel like what am I doing and you know what what do I do today it just it's kind of like the cycle of grief and I call it the waves of grief yeah it's like it comes in and out. Do you feel it's okay to just let God know exactly how you're feeling? Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Because he already knows first. He already knows. (laughs) And, you know, I have so many lessons that I've learned in grief. And one of the lessons that I've learned in through grieving through Coleman's death is I have to be real with God. Yeah. I have to be real with him because he already knows. But then it helps me and I'm finding that it helps other people as well. And that's kind of shocking because I think in the church world sometimes in Christendom. We're really good at using churchology, Christianese, putting on masks. And, you know, it's like people just want realness. They just want to know that you hurt, that you have doubts, you have questions, you want to know why, and it's okay for them. And God is not nervous when we do that. I think sometimes we paint a picture like, oh, I can't say that, or, you know, God's going to be mad at me. No, he's not. (laughs) That's so true (laughs) so it's really helped me that there's a rawness um, that comes when you're grieving. Like, you know, I understand how you feel, but right now I really don't care. Mm -hmm. Like this is where I am. And if you're okay with that, it's okay. If you're not, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Because I liken it to when you get on an airplane and they say, put the mask on yourself first before you put the mask on somebody else. I have to put the mask on myself. I have to get my own win back and my trust in the Lord and, you know, just get my feet back on that firm foundation Mm -hmm. before I can really kind of take on what you're going through. I find that it's good to help people and it helps with healing, but I can only do that to a certain point and then I have to leave it alone.
0: There's this image that I have of God when we're going through a really dark time of Him just sitting alongside of us. We might not even be able to really hear Him at the moment, but just knowing that he's just sitting with us. Yeah. That is just, it has comforted me a number of times when I've been in a hard place. And I'm so grateful because I think there's a side of God that we never get to experience if we don't go through pain. That's part of that process.
1: Yeah, I really believe that. Mm.
0: I have loved watching you kind of bloom in something new. I, I look to see when you started something on Facebook called... Let's, hopefully I get it right. Coffee and conversation with Carrie. Yes. Right? Yes. It looks like yes. you started it in April. April sometime.
1: 9th Okay. Yeah. What made you decide to do this? It was the prayer. God, will you show me how you're going to make something good? out of Coleman's death. I've seen people come together at his celebration of life. We had all colors, all nations, all backgrounds come together for the sole purpose of worshiping the King of Kings Mm -hmm. and the Lord of Lords for this life that he gave us that each of those people interacted with. Probably almost a thousand people were in our church that day. And it was, I kept thinking as I because we had a photographer specifically take pictures that day because I didn't want I knew I wouldn't remember everybody who was there. And she had never photographed a funeral and said she never would. But she did it for me that day. Wow! And she took probably almost a thousand pictures. She sent me like 600. And she what? said, I said I would never. Her name is Terry Tolson. She said, I said I would never photograph a funeral. But this was unlike any home going I have ever witnessed. It was a celebration. Mm. There was nothing sad about it. We specifically designed it that way sure. because Coleman wouldn't have wanted that. But that day I saw the works of God and how he used Coleman to bridge together two churches, Crossroad Christian Church and United Church. Mm-hmm. Those two families came together and honored the life of this young man. Mm. And I thought, okay, so maybe I could do that. What if I use social media as a platform to continue his legacy? And so that thought came in my mind as I'm sitting there on the couch having coffee. I'm like, okay, what would I call it? Well, I love coffee (laughs) and I love conversation like this, you know, sitting with people. It's like coffee and conversation with Carrie. Well, there you go. Let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's how it began. And I said, okay, God, if this is, you know, what you, the good that's going to come, then let's do it. We'll try it. And it still blows me away the number of people that are a part and the community to me is so loving and so warm. And the way they just welcome people in, it's just, it's been phenomenal. And it's been healing for me. I feel like I'm the biggest blesser. Mm. I've been blessed the most out of everybody in the community. Yeah. I love that uh,
0: you are because you're an encourager. I get that right away when I come to that part on Facebook. But I also love that you are authentic and just, like you said, raw sharing. Like you've been on a kind of a quest for trust over the last couple of weeks, and you kind of do a little Facebook Live and you invite people to to join in and then just talk about. Yeah. I want to trust you. I remember in the New Testament where uh, somebody says, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." Yes, and that used to confuse me when I was younger. I was like, "Well, which is it? Do you believe or do you not believe?" But I get it now, yeah. and I know yeah. that you do as well. Our heart, if we want to please God with all yeah. of us, we want to, with all of our heart and our soul, we, we want to believe fully. But there are questions. There are voids that we have to reconcile yeah. and wrestle
1: through, and that trust thing. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Well, I think it's interesting how in Matthew eleven twenty eight Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are tired of religion, who are burned out. And and the one part I really like in the message, he says, I'll show you how to live the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm. And I thought, you know, how often do we try to force our way on people? Jesus wants to show us how to live unforced. Rhythms of grace. And I love that because in trust, you really can't, it can't be forced on someone. You know, it has to be lived. It really. It kind of has to be earned, like Mm -hmm. you just kind of have to prove that you're trustworthy. And so I get what you're saying with that. Help my unbelief Mm -hmm. because God has been faithful all my life. I mean, He's brought me through so many things in my life of rejection and molestation and divorce and having a prodigal son Mm -hmm. and you know just now death. It's like just brought me through all. So He has a track record with me. But even still, it's like like, okay, I trust you, God, help the areas of my lack of trust, mm-hmm. you know, help my, my unbelief. Because yeah. um, I want to trust you fully in every area of my life, every area.
0: I think he must just beam when you're that honest and open with him, because you're just kind of laying it out there. Yeah. And saying, I'm, I'm giving you this because so often we do try to hide things, just try to stuff it down. It might not even be intentional. I think yeah. one of the uh the biggest tell for me is uh when people say, How you doing? Good, I'm mm-hmm. good. <laughs> it's, easy.
1: <laughs>
0: it's easy. Well, I think partly we think and nobody really they don't really care. It's just what you ask. I, I heard somebody say the other day, if you really are interested in someone, ask how's your heart?
1: Yes. Yes, <laughs> that is so true. I say now, do you want the real version or yeah. do you want the quick version? <laughs> Cause they're different, yeah, <laughs> they're different. <laughs> That's you awesome. Know? But I am finding, especially on my job, my coworkers. Um, we're all we're all ladies. Cause there's no the only men are the doctors. Okay. So all the nurses on postpartum are women. Yeah. Yeah. And so that helps when you have emotional things, because women tend to understand one another. Mm. Not that men don't, but, you know, there are times when I'm talking to my husband and he's very caring. He's a mercy motivated person. So he's very caring and loving. But there are times when I can tell he doesn't like the emotional part. He's like, "Okay, you probably need to call your sister.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is there is a strength in having sisters, whether they are actually in our DNA or if they're through the blood of Christ, that we have sisters that... And we can pray together and let our hair down together. It's
1: wonderful. (laughs) It's wonderful. And my work sisters, there were times when I could barely make it to work. Mm -hmm. And if I could just get in the door and get on the floor, they were there for me. And Mm -hmm. I would say they would just look at me and say, are you okay?" And I just break. No, Mm -hmm. it's it was all I could do to get in here. I needed to get in there to be around people. But it was very difficult for me to do that. Yeah. And so I would get I remember one particular day I got to work and it was probably about five of them. They just stayed extra even after their shift was over and just Mm -hmm. listened to me and encouraged me and loved on me. And we were still hugging back then. So, you know, they hugged me and (laughs) it was just amazing. It was exactly what I needed to get through that 12 hour Mm -hmm. shift that day.
0: Speak to the person that's listening now who has suffered some kind of loss.
1: I understand what you're going through. It's difficult when you love someone so hard, or if you had a relationship that was a little estranged. you have different emotions with loss, depends on the, the relationship that you had. But what I've come to understand with grief is you will get through it. No one can tell you how long, which is what I wanted. I wanted a timetable. Yeah. Just tell me how long this is going to hurt. And uh-huh. I, you know then I can work through it. Yeah. Nobody can do that for you. The only thing that a person in the flesh can do for you is to be there and comfort you. But the ultimate comfort comes through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And even though you may not feel like he's there, like you said, he's right there with you. Mm -hmm. There were times when I would sit on my couch and I know that God was right there with me because it was just such a peace Mm -hmm. in my, even in my atmosphere, there was no, no static, no chaos. It was just, it was very peaceful. Mm-hmm. And I know that he was with me. So for someone who's experiencing a loss, you had a loss of any type, really. Maybe you had a loved one who died. Maybe you are going through a divorce. Maybe you lost your home. Maybe you lost your job. Um, there are many different types of losses. Mm-hmm. And we grieve all of them. To a certain degree. Yes. But I would say just hold on. Hold Mm -hmm. on. Even if you feel like you don't know Jesus, he knows you Mm -hmm. and he's there. All you have to do is call out to him and he's right there. Hold on to him and you can get through it. You can. You need people. You need people to help you get through it but you can yeah
0: we'll have show notes uh attached to this podcast and you'll be able to find information on grief share Mm -hmm. and even how you can connect with carrie if you'd like (laughs) what's your favorite promise from god
1: my favorite promise is psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd mm. and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And I love that mm. because when I am dry, I have been completely bone dry. Yeah. He has restored me and he continues to restore me. I'm not where I want to be and I'm definitely not where probably I should be. But I am grateful for where he has me. Mm. And I look forward to the journey that he has me on. There are things that I know that he is doing in my life and in my heart. I'm not there. I still have issues with forgiveness and, you know, there are people that hurt me even with Coleman's death, people in my family that said things that were very hurtful. Mm-hmm. And I just kinda had to let it go and kinda had to let them go because I, I didn't have the headspace yeah. to deal with the negativity and, you know, some of the hurtful things. Yeah. So I'm really praying about that. I want want to be able to reach out to them, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, So, you know, I'm a work in progress. (laughs) As we (laughs) all are.
0: Yes, as we all are. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you would pray for the one who's listening right now who really connects with what you're saying Mm -hmm. and is looking for answers.
1: Yes, I would. I'd be honored to. Lord, you are the Lord of our broken hearts. You know what we feel because you felt it. When you gave your son, you watched him die on that cross. And there are times when we feel like you're not there for us. We can't feel you. We don't understand. But we can cry out to you just like Jesus did. He said, it is finished. And because he cried out and said, it is finished, we can cry out to you and say, God, help us. Help us through these hard times. Help us through these difficult and challenging times. Lord, you are our help and you're with us and you guide us and you lead us and you surround us with your love. I pray for every person that's experiencing a loss in any kind. I pray, Father, that you would surround them with your love, that they would feel your very presence. I pray that they would know that you are with them and that they are not alone. I pray that you would be with them in the midnight hours when they can't sleep. I pray that you would comfort them in the morning to help them get up out of the bed and just do one thing. I thank you, Lord, how you encourage our hearts and how you speak to us through your word. Thank you, Father, for the bridge and for the light that they are in a dark world. I thank you for every person who is listening and I pray that your love would surround them in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. There is such joy in you that
0: I know that only Jesus brings. (laughs) We've had our battles. (laughs) He loves us the way that we are. We don't have to dress ourselves up to come to him but he loves us too much to leave us the way that we are and so that's kind of the push and pull of this journey i think yeah for all of us uh it's been such a joy to have you here a delight carrie i hope that we'll have more conversations that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) i would love it so grateful for you thank you thank you you for your sweet spirit and sharing that today thank you so much god bless you Mm -hmm. We were never meant to journey alone. Whether you're having a great day or a hard one, we need each other to celebrate and to stand in the gap. Sharing our stories helps remind us that we are not alone. And when we sit with women who sit at the feet of Jesus, the conversations are different. We walk away feeling inspired, not inferior, because we know this Christian walk is a race, but not a competition. I'm your host, Denise Harper, encouraging you to catch up with a friend or make a new one and enjoy some good conversation over the rims of mugs.